Well, team, we're back, ready to get back into the saddle. We need to go ahead and focus. Now we're really, truly getting into the year, right? We had that January effect. It looked like it became somewhat February effect also. So now that we're starting to see that go away, we started to see inflation tweak up a little bit. We saw that in the PCE. Of course, the jobs numbers also gave us a little bit of insight moving forward. Now we're getting increased tensions from the U.S. and China. We'll talk about that today. Federal fund rates starting to go higher on the implied rate. We'll talk a little bit about, of course, Berkshire. We'll get into their report and, of course, the shareholder letter. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll get into Tesla. We got some Pfizer news, LI Auto, Fubo TV, maybe touch a little bit of Fisker. I wonder what Dennis thinks about Fisker now. We used to talk about that one, remember? We'll get into also all the earnings this week. 8.30s, we got durables hitting. Let's pay attention. There's a lot going on right here. Pre-market prep is where you guys want to be. Let's get it started, team. Rise and shine. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, team, let's get it started. Let's do a little bit of a rundown here. Of course, mine's a little bit different than uh, Joel's, but I'll do my best here. We'll talk really quickly about the SPY. You can see the SPY. Essentially, I mean, looks like we're getting hit right now, but getting a little bit of some down action right now. We were up there towards around the 398.50 area. We'll look to see if we come back to Friday's closing price. Friday's closing price being 396.40s on the SPY. And will we get back into the 400 handle? I think that's what everyone's going to be looking at on the daily. Can we get back to that 400? You can take a look at the TLT. TLT does not look good ever since we started breaking down this pattern, right? I mean, you guys can see that pattern right there. Started breaking that down. We haven't come back in the TLT. We'll look to see if we get some bond uh, bounce in the bonds. Also wanted to bring in today, uh, take a look at some WTI, this is a little bit different chart, of course. We'll take a look there. Um, we're starting to see a lot of bottoming action around the 72 level. I think we really need to watch to see if we get uh, crude oil to get back into the 70. If it gets back to 70, I think we can actually crack 70, go into the 60s. But if we get back above 80s, that also could put pressure towards 82, giving us a spike towards the 90s. So keep watch on crude. I think that's definitely going to make a big difference if we're going to see inflation spike even higher. When we talk about the U.S. dollar, we can see how the U.S. dollar has been running as of late. Got to a high there towards around 114, 115. And that was, of course, right before the turnaround that we had. We came back down towards about 100, bounced off of this kind of support. Now we're starting to come back. Will we get back there towards the 110? Keep watch on the dollar. I think that's definitely going to have an effect. And of course, it could be whichever one, where, whatever you're looking, leading, you know, when the, when the market comes down, dollar starts coming back up, something to keep watch, of course. And the last kind of chart that I wanted to just kind of show, um, just overall kind of pointing towards the VIX. VIX starting to kind of just balance out here around the 21, 22 level. Will we get a spike that comes back towards the 24 is something to keep in mind. All right, that's enough for these charts. I'm going to go ahead and bring them down. We'll go back towards the SPY and, of course, bring on Dennis Dick. Let's take a look at what he was looking at, um, especially on Friday. How, how was your Friday action? Friday was good. Uh, just uh, some housekeeping here. If your feed is choppy, hit refresh. It seems to be working now. I don't know why, but for me, the feed was coming in and out. Then I hit refresh, and then it was working better. So if your audio or your video is coming in and out, hit refresh. It should be working. If not, let us know. A couple little hiccups there. It's been a while since we had technical hiccups here. Friday was good. Um, interesting enough, we talked about the SPY potentially bouncing at the January 25th low of 393.56. These Joel Alconan levels just work here because it's exactly where we bounced. 393.64, the low on Friday. 
bounced out of there. I mean, we're kind of still, I believe, going to be in some chop. I don't think we're clearly down. I don't think we're clearly up. I think we're just going to be sideways for the foreseeable future here. I think you got good support down at 388 to 390. So as you, if you were to drop another 100 points, I think you got great support down there. And then as you get up, you know, to the 405, 408 area, you're going to have a lot of people who maybe were getting caught thinking about a breakout trying to get their money back here. So... I think you just chop around here, again, coming out of earnings season. It's going to take another major catalyst, and we don't know what that major catalyst is going to be. Maybe it's going to be geopolitical, and we can get into the China talk now if you want, Mitch. But I just don't see a clear road or path for the bulls, and I just don't see a clear path for the bears ahead. And that's why I think I just continue to predict more chop. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Let's talk a little bit about the tensions that are growing. Of course, uh, I know if you guys probably watched this weekend, uh, there was uh, U.S. military aircraft flying through the Taiwan Strait. China today publicly complained about that aircraft. Of course, it was a fighter jet, and it was told by a U.S. Uh, it was told by a China fighter jet that it needed to go ahead and get out of that airspace if not they would intercept the u.s uh the united states also warned china of serious consequences if it provided arms to support russia's invasion of ukraine heightening tensions of course with the two economies this was reported also by cnn that if it goes down that road it will come to a real cost to china white house national security advisor jake sullivan told cnn so of course Heightened tensions in uh, China, the U.S. with Russia. Of course, China did mention last week that they were telling Russia that they were looking for some peace. Well, it looks like they're actually going to be having a meeting. Um, the president, of course, Putin, going to be having a meeting with China. It looks as early as early March. So keep that in mind when we're thinking about the tensions outside. I mean, there's so many, and, and you were saying in the pre-pre-market show when we were just talking before we started the show, Mitch, like the market is walking on very thin ice, ice here. 100%. And eventually, I just think they fall. it, it falls in. So there's just so many things to worry about here, whether it's, you know, interest rates continuing to go up or inflation, you know, disinflation starting to go back to inflation. And then you get the whole geopolitical situation. You're like, it's again, why I remain with a lot of cash right now. Because again, when we were investing three years ago, you had sat in cash, you're getting nothing. You're getting less than 1% on your money. Now you sit there and you get five. So I'm like, well, I don't mind sitting in cash getting five because if I'm wrong, I'm still picking up five. But if I'm right and this market starts to sell off, I'm going to pick up these stocks a hell of a lot lower. So the stocks really, you know, over the course of the next year, have to go up five for the market to break even with your cash call. I just don't feel like we're in this rah, rah, bull, back to new all-time highs markets. I mean, just the math doesn't add up. So that's why I continue to invest very cautiously. Trading perspective, sideways, just fading everything. And bring it into UNP here this morning because this is one of the dumbest moves I've seen in a long time. Um, again, it's hard to fade on day one, but bring a, give us the news here on UNP. The stock is up 20 points here this morning. This seems right. way ridiculously a gift to long. Union Pacific shares are trading higher after the company said it would name a new CEO in 2023 after hedge fund uh, Soban Capital Partners called for leadership changes. So it looks like they're really happy also that uh, this capital uh, fund is kind of leading the party here. Um, so they're, they're getting definitely the lift there. And you also saw some analysts start chasing um, I started seeing different upgrades. Uh, there's a BOA upgrade right now to buy, raising the price target to 241. Uh, so keep in mind, you could start getting some analysts to chase this price action. Well, they're chasing it right now here today. And it has continued to go higher. And it is hard to just stop the rocket ship and call it. But, you know, if you're looking for an out, like sometimes it's not that easy to short the things, but sometimes it's very easy to just take the profits. If I was long the thing, I'd take the profits at 214 right now. Um, just my opinion. I think you got room to 220. There's a lot of resistance up at 220. So you could have another six bucks, but risking, you know, quite a bit to pick up the last six. I'm not sure I want to do that. So if it was me, I'd sell my long if I was long at 214. Shorting is tougher. I usually like to wait until you start to actually see some sellers come in. We've not seen any sellers come in here this morning. And this is the one thing about shorting stocks. 
I short stocks every day. You never want to be early shorting stocks. It's okay to sell your longs and be a little bit early, but when you're shorting stocks and you're early, you get punished severely. I usually like to wait for a red candle or I like to wait until I at least see you know some of the relentless buying subside. And right now, this morning, UNP is just about a relentless buyer all morning just going up, up, up on this. But is this move over done? I believe so. Um, so I'd put it on my watch list for shorting. And if I was long, I'd say see you later. Yeah, I think definitely the intraday momentum is a little bit too over exuberance. But one thing, that, of course, is, is the long term chart on like a UNP, right? Long term chart, railroads keep going up. It just seems and the like PE it, right? is not, uh, where's the PE? And again, yeah, this is a value stock there. last Definitely. time I looked. We've had a lot of issues with, you know, obviously, you know, the, the derailment. 17. 17. That's, yeah, that so it's not crazy. I mean, it's yeah. under a market multiple, and that's where they typically trade. Let's look at like a CSX just for comparison here on the multiple. So CSX, yeah, not? not showing. Uh, I got 16. 16. So you're right in there. I mean, that's where they trade. They're value stocks. It's kind of stock. Mm -hmm. I kind of like better than these growthy tech stocks, but at the same time, it's just too much too fast. 21 points on this news seems way overdone. And of course, um, maybe, you, you know, there's a lot of talk right now of what happened in Ohio. Could this come into effect a company like this? I think that's uh -huh. something to keep in mind, right? You never something know. Something to think about. It's something that could change up this action. Yeah, it's getting a new CEO, but what if there's some regulation controls that affect their costs and stuff like that? Keep what if there's more mind. derailments? Yeah, or more derailments, exactly. I mean, there's so been keep that a few mind. of these now. It's scary, and we don't know why. You know, some people are saying it's terrorist attacks. You've heard a lot of different reasons. I don't know if we've ever really heard, you know, the reasons to why, you know, we've had multiple derailments here because it's not something that's common. But anyway, there's lots of things to be concerned about with the rails. And you get this 10% pop on this news. Holy mackerel, these news algos, they just get so excited. They're so excited. I yeah. think you got to fade them a lot of times. 220 does make sense, especially monthly-wise. Daily-wise, you can also see that clear resistance up there, as Dennis pointed. All right, let's get out of UNP. We can also just talk clearly about the implied federal fund target rate. Now, it's starting to show a little bit higher as we keep kind of creeping towards the next uh, interest rates rise and do you think that you know 50 basis points could be something that the fed does here to try to show that they truly have a handle and really want inflation to come down do you think that, that could happen dennis well i think blue said it best i believe it was blue saying it best last week he's like they've started the 25 so it's probably where they're going to continue to go but he saw three more 25s mm. so still getting there just getting there a little bit slower 25 25 25 so i think that's where they're heading to um again it all depends on what that inflation data coming in is going to have so if we start ticking down they can get less aggressive but you know inflation you know even the pc it's not crazy we haven't really started blasting off here again so i don't think there's the concern that oh my goodness we got to start raising rates faster i think it's just not going down as much as quickly as they'd like and obviously you know ticking i mean higher last i have month. a graph for us i have a graph for us so yeah look at the show graph me that here. that's nice um here's a graphical representation this came from reuters so shout out to them they have some good graphs i've been kind of taking them but hey i'll give them the shout out here but you can see it here how we were going up 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 there and then we started peaking right before july right and then this is pce right we're talking pce then you can see that down dip in october down dip into December, and then a little bit of a pushback there in January. I think that's really where, you know, it could be just a, a blimp in the statistics, right? We could just get a little bit of a bounce. We did see oil prices jump there. But one thing that I've also noticed is that we're not going down as fast either, right? And if we're going to slow that pace down, that leaves room, at least I feel, for higher interest rates in the future, right? They can continue raising because our jobs are not going down. The economy is not cracking. What makes them have to stop? Nothing. Well, they don't have to stop. They don't. And that's the one thing, like everybody wanting a pivot. They think, well, as soon as you get inflation higher, they're going to start lowering rates as fast as they can. That's not the recipe. The recipe would be is if we start to go into a recession. They're going to start lowering rates, but this market isn't pricing in a recession. So that's why I keep thinking for you to get, you know, the market to get the pivot that it so much wants, we're going to have to have some pain ahead of that. 
So mm -hmm. maybe it's the opportunity, you know, on the short side, or maybe it's the opportunity just to not have stocks where if we do go into recession, then you'll get that pivot. And I think that happens. I think we are going to go into recession. I think we do eventually get a pivot, but there's going to be a lot of pain to get to that pivot. Once they start talking pivot, to your point, you've said this too, Mitch. I yeah. mean, you don't want to be early on this. You definitely don't want to be early on this because if you're early on this and all of a sudden you don't get that pivot or all of a sudden, you know, it starts to just get ugly in the markets and they're still not talking pivot. This, you know, there's a lot of risk. It's yeah. just risk reward and the market's not cheap. So and there's also the scare, right? Powell started talking about disinflation and now we get a little spike in the data where it shows inflation rising a little bit. Will he be talking about disinflation this time around? I don't think so. If anything, I think he's going to have a little bit more of a harder stance. I think he saw how the market reacted to that comment about disinflation. And now he's probably thinking, well, I got to take that word out of my vocabulary because if I keep mentioning that, the market could get ahead of itself. I feel like that's what happened here. Market got a little bit ahead of itself. He totally caused that. He totally yeah. caused that spike up in the S&P. The disinflation and they ran with it. We talked about him saying it, what, nine times one day and then yeah. came on and again saying it again. I think he regrets saying it. I think he caught a lot of people on the bull side. There was so many people who were getting bullish two weeks ago. And a lot of that was caused by Jerome Powell talking about disinflation. Like, we have it beat. And then it starts ticking higher immediately. I think it was Cameron that says he Jerome top ticked it with that word. Top ticked yeah. it. CPI started to blast off, or not blast off, but started to turn. So we've stopped going down. That's the whole problem here, is that we've seen you know, CPI coming in, coming in, coming in, and now it's slowed down, the, the, the disinflation process here. And that's concerning. If it starts to tick back higher, you will see some of these Fed officials start to get more aggressive. And we are kind of starting to see in the PC data, starting to tick back just a little bit higher. And you feel it in the stores. We talk about that. You know, go into the grocery store. You feel it. You can feel, you know, people want raises. My brother-in-law, electric electrician, you know, he's got an electrical company trying to hire people. Everybody wants a lot more money than what he figures. You know, he's throwing it out there trying to get, you know, at a certain rate. And he got three responses, you know, asking for, I think it was 36 bucks an hour asking for. Exactly. Three responses and everybody says too low. I mean, yeah. people don't want to work, you know, at all really. And they're not going to work unless you're paying them. So this is the market that we're in. But as you raise labor prices, the vicious cycle continues. As you raise labor prices, then the companies who are obviously paying their employees more have to raise their prices of their products to make up for it. And then the price of the products go higher and the, and the laborer says, well, I need more money because it's costing me more at the store. So then it goes like this and goes like this. And this is how in other smaller countries you have hyperinflation. Now, we are a long ways away from that. Don't worry about that over here. But that is the process of how it gets started, and they don't want to lose it. They don't want to be all of a sudden, you know, where we're looking at inflation rates ticking back at 7, 8, 9, 10%. Then we got problems. So this is why the Fed has to stay the course. They're doing mm -hmm. the right thing. But eventually, there's got to be some short-term pain for this, and we have not had any of the short-term pain. Yes, growth stocks, some of them went down 60, 70, 80%. They all deserve. They were all going to go down that no matter what, even at a lower inflationary environment. Because they're, they're just the multiples were just not sustainable, but I think you're going to start to have some pain in you know some of the other stocks as well. The value stocks, a lot of them are near all time highs. I mean, the DIA, you know, look at the you know look where the diamonds got to. I mean, we were like four or five percent from an all time high. What business is you know talking about you know record sales at all time highs? We should be seeing record sales and record profits. And yeah, there's a few businesses doing it. The majority of businesses are not doing that. I mean, and the tech stocks, the mega cap techs are talking about a slowdown. So yeah, I think and we what did Meta? Listening. What did Meta give us last week? Right, Meta gave us something that I think is important. What did they say? Oh, we're going to look at our second round of job cuts. When will the market start reacting negatively to these job cuts? Right, if we start seeing a second round from all the big boys cutting jobs, cutting jobs, cutting jobs, eventually, I think that this has to start turning around and probably be viewed as a negative for future earnings, but. Something to keep in mind, right? Let's go to Berkshire. And that $36, they're saying, oh, $50 for an electrician. These actually were apprentices. They weren't Dang. talking licenses. Not Dang. licensed electricians. Just starting out, like getting started. That's all. I, but again, we're in we're in Canada too, so yeah, yeah. you need to consider that. But Little yeah, like $30 man. to start. No, no license, like coming out of school. 
Yeah. Tough. Wage inflation is real. Wait, and I think that, that's one thing. $18. We've talked in, in about Ontario. this plenty $18 of times. $18 to start a McDonald's. If you're going to make 18 at, at McDonald's, I'm telling you, it, 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 it can only be so long that the worker out there starts thinking, well, then I need my raise, right? They got a $5 raise. I want my $5 raise, right? Well, we'll see what happens there. Let's go to Berkshire now. Uh, Burke A. Uh, let's take a look there. Hey, Dennis, would you ever in your right mind go for a share of this? Not Burke A. I don't even like <laughs> bringing it on my screen. And it scares me a little bit. I accidentally click it. Because I have a buy button a on the bit. screen. I, I don't even like bringing Burke A on my screen. Burke B, I trade all the time. Yeah, yeah, Burke yeah, A, Burke. I don't even like bringing it on my screen. It's got too many it's numbers scary. there. I don't it's want to scary. accidentally click it and buy something $100,000 too high. So <laughs> I don't even like bringing it on my trading screen. Uh, how, how's the offer on that? Do they go wide on that? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm sure they go really wide. All right, let's talk a little bit about what happened here. First, let's talk a little bit about, let's do the shareholder letter because I thought there was some interesting comments there. Um, it was focusing on repurchases. I don't know how you guys feel about repurchases. I've been talking about them. I've been a little confused of, of, of them, but Warren coming in here and telling me what I really need to focus on, right? He said, if you're listening to uh, about repurchases and if you think they're harmful to shareholders or the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you're listening to either an economic illiterate, so he's talking about me out there, <laughs> or... Uh, a silver tongue demagogue uh, said by Warren Buffett and Bo uh, Buffett believes buybacks are beneficial to shareholders as they provide a lift per share intrinsic value. And so that's very uh, that's where he definitely uh, thinks they're they're important. He also highlighted Apple's shareholders buyback, of course, Tim Cook's uh, repurchase program. He thinks that that is really well done. He thinks that the he thinks that the increased ownership of each dollar of the iPhone's maker's earnings without the investor having to lift a finger. So essentially, it strengthens the company without the investor having to put money into the company. He's so that's why thinking. he feels that repurchasing is great because at the end of the day, it's like the company reinvesting in itself. He's always been a big fan of buybacks. He's believing in himself. You're exactly right. And buybacks can work. Well, as long as the companies are smart about it, you know, it's the ones like IBM rebuying their stock at 220 and now it's 138 and you're like, oh, so when the business is going well, buybacks do really well. But a lot of times what you see is companies like starting to slow down and they're like, well, you know, we're having a bad quarter. Well, let's do a little bit of a buyback with it just to try to help the quarter out. That's not the idea. That's not good for shareholders. Your business is starting to slow down and struggling. And now you're doing buybacks it's just to try to keep your share price up. I don't think that's the way, but this, you know, a main reason that Apple is where it is and the valuation is where it is, is all the buybacks over the years, you know, and obviously, you know, earnings overall have not maybe increased as much, but EPS has because they bought back so much stock. So buybacks do work on good companies and it's worked for Apple for a very long time. It doesn't work that well when the companies are struggling. So I don't like it when you see a bad quarter and then they announce a buyback trying to, you know, stem the tide, if you will. And I, I just think buybacks are, are more for companies when it's going maybe you know you get a dip in your stock that's unwarranted but when you're getting hit on your earnings and you put a buyback in there not for me well let's talk about their earnings q4 operated earnings of 6.71 billion down 7.9 percent year ago operating earnings reflected total profits of the business for berkshire owns and operates they disclosed a record operating in earnings of 30.793 billion up 12.2% from 2021 uh of course uh they also called it a good year for berkshire despite currency inflation and supply chain headwinds net earnings though fell 54% year over year to 18.164 billion in q4 75% to 22.81 billion for the full year. So definitely net earnings coming down a little bit here. But of course, they just that reflects uh, a lot of what Berkshire holding there with their Dow stocks and heavy equipment investment portfolio. The biggest reason I don't invest in Berkshire Hathaway um, directly is mostly that I just don't like paying the premium. There's a Warren premium in there. You're buying the stock significantly above NAV. What happens if he does actually? I know this is a, a succession plan here, but he's not a spring chicken. And if he was to get sick 
you know, or, you know, even potentially, you know, he's getting older. So at a certain point in time, he is going to die. There has to be a succession plan here. Does that premium just get sucked out of it immediately? I don't know. Um, again, yeah, fabulously tough. run company. I love Warren Buffett. I wish Warren Buffett was 50 years old. I wish he was 50 years old, but he's not. So that keeps me away. I don't like paying that huge Warren premium when you know he's as old as he is. But with that being said, Warren is, is somebody that I've idolized my whole entire trading career, at least from an investment standpoint. I've tried to mimic what he does with my own investment holdings, looking at good companies at reasonable valuations. Everything Warren has done has you know so many lessons to be learned. As one of the first books I read was The Warren Buffett Way. I mean, from an investing standpoint, he's just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and we can think about like what are his top holdings, right? You got uh, about 38% in Apple. You got about 11% in Bank of America. I don't know about that one too much, but uh, you got Chevron in here. You got Coke. Right? All value stocks. All value stocks. Except Coke, right? which has just grown. Yeah. It was a value stock at one time. It's just grown so much in this hiding in consumer staples. Um, you know, has expanded the multiple. Apple obviously is the biggest one, and I don't know why. I guess he just doesn't sell. You know, and Apple, when he started buying it, had a P of like 12. You know, it's just expanded. And I've sold my Apple for the simple reason that I feel like it's overdone. It's another reason. I just don't feel like he's as diversified as he once was because he owns so much yeah. Apple. But, you know, again, how do you... I'll tell you what helps him. Oh, you know what helps him? What? I, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but this is from hedgefollow.com. It says that the average price on that Apple is around thirty six ninety eight. If I had thirty six ninety eight, I don't know about you, Dennis. I'm not selling. I don't want to pay the tax. Well, I did too. My average cost (laughs) basis on my so I did too. My average cost basis on my Apple was twenty five dollars. So similar. There Um, you go. Average cost basis was twenty five dollars, and I sold mine. I sold some at one seventy, and no, I sold the rest at one fifty five and one fifty. I had calls written, and I got called away. And I am going to pay the tax bill on this, which mm-hmm. sucks. I paid, I, I broke it up. I did half of it last year and half of it at the beginning of this year um, just to try to break up the tax bill. It sucks. I just got to a point here, though, where I'm like, I just can't stomach owning this thing at 24, 25 times earnings. I know they might continue to grow into it. I know they're going to continue to buy back stock. I know they got the cash cow of the iPhone and it's probably not going away. But it just seems like if that came down, it got back down below a market multiple, I would be kicking myself. So it's the reason, you know, that I've sold the stock. And at, tw- and at 170, it was trading like 26 times earning, just a little bit too much. So I did pay the tax bill. I didn't follow Warren's approach on that one. Part of me thinks, you know, it's going to suck come tax time, which is coming up soon in Ontario to, to, to cough up, you know, that money for this. Obviously, on half of it, I don't have to pay till next year because I sold some of it in January. But, oh, you know what? If you're making money, eventually you do got to pay the tax. How do you feel about uh, Apple now as we've gotten this decline? Is this uh, one that you'd be looking for a dip no. to buy? Or? No. I've said before, I think Apple could eventually go under 100 bucks. Yeah. I think unless they come out with some product that we all Something have to new. have. It's yeah. a cash cow now with a multiple that isn't warranted in my opinion. And I think we're going into a recession. And I've so I would not be selling. If I thought Apple was only going to go to 10 bucks, I wouldn't have sold it all. But I had the okay. opinion that Apple could eventually go under 100 bucks. I'm sticking with that opinion. I don't want to own Apple at these prices. We'll see what happens there. Can it get back towards the 150? I think it's so vital if it can get back there this week. If not, yeah, I do see that decline coming in really quickly. I think quickly. you're selling rallies in Apple. But mm-hmm. we'll uh, see what again, happens there. I've, I've sold my stock a little bit higher, but not that much higher here. So, and again, if we don't go into a recession and we just go into this row, row, bull market, new all time highs, I'll regret those sales. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't have a crystal ball either. All right, let's go to the next major headline that was out there. This is going to be more into the health area, and we're talking about Pfizer and Pfizer's in talks, and this is getting reported from the Wall Street Journal. So let's go to Pfizer and CGen here, as it looks like Pfizer's in talk to acquire the biotech firm CGen. Uh, the deal is expected to command a premium above CGen's market cap of roughly $30 billion. That people told the Wall Street Journal. CGEN, of course, uh, you guys can look it up, S-G-E-N. You guys can see that definitely getting a nice little rip up past the resistance of the 180. So that's around where the, I'll be looking for some pullback 
on this. If you're looking for opportunity, I think it's below 180s. You can see we already kind of pulled towards 179.50s. I'd like to see if that 180 holds. But what do you think about this deal, Dennis? Um, I don't think much of it because I'm a Pfizer shareholder and my Pfizer stock is down <laughs> on it. So I don't like yeah. paying the premium here. I mean, CGen has been rumored to be taken over for the last couple of years, really, by different companies here. So now yeah. it looks like it's going to be Pfizer. Sucks that it's one of my companies that I own because they knock them down when they're paying the premiums like that. Pfizer's just a mess. Um, I very much screwed up when I underestimated how much you know revenue is coming from COVID. We've seen what's happened with Moderna. It just goes down every single day. Um, and, B and BNTX, which I don't like at all. I would be a seller of BNTX. Um, and Novavax for that matter too. Although Novavax has been killed so much. It's not much left meat on the bone there for, for the bears. Um, but I mean, Pfizer is diversified, lots of other things, but there's a lot of revenue that came from that. Obviously, the COVID shot. I don't think people are getting the jab as much. So I screwed up by buying more. My average cost basis on Pfizer was $13 before I bought more. And obviously, it's come up substantially. Wish I wouldn't have bought more. That was a mistake. I'm still on it, though. Yeah, I got caught last week in Lily. Uh, I was trying to catch that dip right down here, thinking that we were going to come back into the gap zone on Eli Lilly. I got caught on that move. So can't blame you for looking at stocks like Pfizer. Even I was looking at it last week. I was seeing it make kind of these kind of double bottoms around here, uh, around this kind of 4250, thinking it was going to come back. And, and this just continues on the leak right now. We'll see when these healthcare stocks come back. I did see some of them start making their way back. Like you could see Merck starting to climb back here right yeah. and so i'm keeping an eye on some of these like bristol myers um, i like bristol myers here an eye out, I, I think bristol myers is a sneaky buy here i don't mind that one too i mean lily's got that weight loss drug so i think on a buy i think i'm agreeing with kramer here i don't always agree with kramer in this case i do think lily is going to be a buy here eventually it's come off substantially too so i kind of mm -hmm. like that one as well because that weight loss drug is going to be a big one but the problem with pfizer is the COVID jab and Moderna is obviously showing you direct. So when you just have the COVID jab and Moderna's trying to do some other things too, but I mean, holy, this has just been murdered at a certain point in time. It's going to be a buy, but I, I just, again, this is why I said I couldn't buy Moderna at 160 was, and I did say I, I like the pair trade 160 Moderna long versus BNTX short, which I would be down slightly in that. I think right now, because BNTX has come down about, seven percent or so but moderna's come down more i think i still like that pair um which would be a moderna long and a bntx short but i don't want to be straight up long moderna or being but not bntx at all but i like i think moderna's run very well but i just can't quantify how much those earnings are going to drop from people not getting the COVID shot so that's why i'm just staying away from that one now again Pfizer is very diversified so a lot of other revenue coming from a lot of different sources which is why i like that better but they're hitting Pfizer, don't kid yourself, because they're hitting Moderna and some of that revenue is going to go away. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, you just got to find what works best there. I know Merck has been coming back there. AbbVie hasn't been that bad since their earnings. You can see this was their earnings pop. That's been going sideways there. We'll look to see if that climbs back through kind of the 155s. And just to mention uh, ETF, right, IBB has been on the pullback here. A lot of people were looking for this to kind of break out above the 140s. It's pulled back recently. Let's look to see if they finally start buying the dip there. Um, another stock that I'd keep on watch is VRTX. That's been pulling back. That one was so strong. Now starting to break down. Will this reverse? That's interesting. They're, they're, and I believe they're the, uh, what's that disease? Um, oh, man. Now I'm forgetting what that disease is called. I'm getting old when you just start forgetting stuff. Um I got the drug. Help me out, chat. I'm 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 missing it. I shouldn't. Have uh, yeah, I, I'm so bad with biotechs, but I, no, I know but this they got the big so drug for um the the rare disease hits the kids. Oh. Now I gotta go look. The it chat up. will it's get us. Next. It's not it's not Alzheimer's. Vertex is um. Let's see. Ah, anyways, I, I'm all right. Sure. Well, the big thing is big decline. I like this kind of weekly pullback to the fifty area. It's off of this kind of high here from uh the April 14th levels look for maybe VRTX starting to get a little bit of a bounce back. I like some bottoming action below this around the 283s. That's where we got bought up like kind of last time somewhere between 288, 283s. We'll look to see if this can come back towards 300. All right. The getting cystic out. fibrosis was um, what I was thinking of the cystic fibrosis mm. drug that came out a few years ago. They, they, it's a, it, yeah. It's cystic. It's Greg. Thank you. It was cystic. Fibrosis. Greg got it. They have that drug. Because it's not a lot of, and, and the drug that they're doing is really doing wonders for people with cystic fibrosis. So that's what you know, I was thinking. But again, 
we've had a big run, you know, and that's what you have to consider on a stock like BRTX. It's $185 a year and a half ago. Now it's 285 So, yeah. again, I think the drug stocks hold up better during a recession. But if we go into a hard recession, everything, you know, maybe gets hit. everything. So, so durable goods we had here, Mitch. Um, yeah, let's go, go to, to our it. guest. We got durables, and that's down uh, slightly. It looks like January, and that's giving the market here a lift because you know, obviously we don't want we want it. the Fed to have reasons to slowly raise interest rates. So we're getting a little bit of a lift here off that. Again, we as we get up over S and P four, you know, spy four hundred, get back to S and P four thousand. I think you find resistance. Definitely a surprise there. And when we look at U.S. durable goods, excluding defense for January at a negative 5.1 versus a 5.6 positive prior, right? Uh, definitely a change there. When we look at the core durable goods, uh, this is at 0.7 versus a 0.1 estimate there for core durable goods. Durable good orders for month over month, January at negative 4.5 versus a negative 0.4 expected prior was 5.6. So getting the lift back there, it looks like we're working our way back towards the 400 on the spy. We'll look to see if we can get there during our interview. Let's go ahead. Let's get out of the spy. We can talk a little bit about that with our guests coming up. You guys know what time it is. A little shimmy time, time to get it going here. It's Tim Quas, Market Structure Mondays. All right, Tim, how are we doing today? Welcome back. Good to see you, Mitch. Thank you. Happy Monday to you both. De- definitely. Where's definitely. Joel? Where's Joel? Did he? Did, Joel, he, he Joel took one, the day. You know, problems? Yeah, no, he weekends. actually had a family. Uh, he had oh, a family no. member, uh, that, that, uh, an aunt uh, that passed away. So oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so he'll be out today. No worries. He'll be back with us tomorrow, <laughs> like always. Um, okay. But we'll, we'll have him back. Let's get to the market action, of course. One thing that you were telling us, I think even uh, a week or so ago, that we were finally starting to see a little bit of a turn. Now, I think one of the things that we need to really be thinking about is which direction do we go from here, right? Tell us, what does market structure edge say, at least? I'm giving some props because you were being cautious going into the last week or two here. Mm -hmm. And Tim, um, caution was the key here because we come off substantially last week. It was not a good week for the markets. Is right. there a reason to, you know, get a little bit more bullish here yet or still exercising some caution? Well, I, you know, I think that traders should think about the, the sort of the cadence and calendar of the market. I talk about context all the time. Uh, uh, there are three big things that matter to me. What is, what is broad sentiment doing? So what, can we see the supply-demand balance in the big money that flows through the market and really determines what direction it goes? Then are there things occurring like earnings and options expirations and so on? And then you look for divergences. And the combination of those three things will tell you a lot about what the market's likely to do. So that's, I mean, that's a market structure view, but that's how I think about it. And to me, the data are, it's kind of, it's startling what the data show. And uh, I'll I'll show you what I mean here. Uh, Yeah, let's look at the the nitty gritty. This is what I do. I will look at this every day. Uh, and the first thing I'll look at is where is broad sentiment? And if you think about it, look, it's, there are all kinds of ways to measure the market, but this is a simple way. I'm a simple guy. Uh, it's, a like 10 point, <laughs> 10, it's a 10-point <laughs> scale. So, yeah. so to have demand that will cause prices to generally rise, this number needs to be above 5.0. Well, it's not. So you know that the market is going to have a bias to weakness if that number is below 5.0. And it, like I said, it's just a, it's just a measure, but it's meter, it's an algorithm that meters buying and selling under the market rules to see which direction things are going. It doesn't matter whether prices close up or down. It's really how they close relative to midpoint because the rules of the market force prices toward midpoint. And so as the number of days that things close above midpoint declines, it tells you there's a bias towards selling. So that's one side of weakness. And then I come down and look at the supply side, demand side, falling supply side. Well, on Friday, the, the short volume in the S&P 500 reached nearly 51%. So the market is more short than long. Mm-hmm. So it's more, much more difficult for prices to rise. 
context, uh, index futures used by trillions of dollars to, uh, to hedge exposure to the market expire tomorrow. Could So either side of that can be volatile. You can have a strong update. I bought things on Friday because I believed that the market would be up today, no matter what the economic Why? data, but because the, there will be an effort to move prices toward a midpoint when index futures expire tomorrow. So then one side or the other, the market will be up. I, it's a gamble. I thought, well, based on the market activity on, on Friday, so, so I bought a market hedge on Thursday, a short uh, S&P 500 hedge. When the Dow was down 470 points, I sold it. That was my only gainer. <laughs> and I bought KMB and I bought Crocs, one out of low volatility and one out of momentum. But here's the thing, folks. So when we're with edge, we measure whether whether there's an upside opportunity or an opportunity to make money when, when uh, big dollars cluster in things that don't move much. That's low volatility. Well, look at the number of components. That's very, very telling. There are five in low volatility. It just means that across the whole market, there are very few securities that offer the kind of <clears throat> sort of safe harbor that money, big money would look for. And then look at momentum. There are two. That is it out wow. of the entire market. What are the two? I think that's the same one from last. Wasn't Coke one of them? No, that would be a low volatility. Oh, that's a low volatility. So there they are. They're they're oh, draft kings. the DraftKings <laughs> and DraftKings. Yeah, and, draft and it's kings. momentum starting to slow. It swung yes, that it short, baby. <laughs> they're they're not great. But see, the reason that that we we point these out is there is this kind of opportunity to make a game. We look at volatility. How much do prices move intraday? over an average period of time, week, a week. And so you'd say, well, if, you know, if DraftKings is down Friday, three or four mm percent, -hmm. there is a good chance today that you can make three or 4% because that's, that's taking half of the volatility. So those are things that you can use. I bought Crocs for the same reason. It's already out of that portfolio. You know, if I'm looking at Crocs here, and here's how I know, and I want to show you one more thing because I think it's mm -hmm. telling. So I bought Crocs because demand was rising and supply was falling. They're already breaking down. So I will leave that today. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I, you just have to take what the market gets, folks. It doesn't matter how much something goes up if it goes back down before you sell it. Right? So you have to be aware of those things. Tim, what do you do? And, and we never talk about this yeah. much, but how do you manage your losers? Because obviously as right. traders, we all have losers all the time. And in some cases, I'm sure you can see, yeah. you know, you know, lower supply and rising demand and the stock price yep. actually goes down. It yep. doesn't work on 100% of the time. How it do you manage not. your losers? By being very careful about broad sentiment, context, and divergence, I try to minimize them. We're all going to have them. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I had one a week ago where I lost about $1,000. That's about as much as I care to lose. Yeah. Uh, but I, how I do that is if the supply-demand equation has changed <clears throat> and, I, and, and I'm down in a stock and it recovers some portion of it, I leave. You just have to, you have to cut your losses. Mm -hmm. I don't tend to use stops and limits uh, because you you, uh, you you miss you miss what the supply demand equation is going to give you. It's meant to be predictive, and prices are very volatile. Supply and demand are not volatile; prices are. So you, you can miss out on things by by using. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Please, you know, you should do what what works for your risk tolerance. What I try to do is be concentrated in things. That where I've got the mass stacked in my favor, uh, but one, one one other thing I want to show you here. So here's yeah. here's how I think about this. Here's the long side of the market. The long side, there's almost nothing. This is telling us the long side of the market isn't good. So if I go down to my short beta portfolio over here, so and it's the exact opposite. Notice that demand is falling, supply is rising, Ooh. converging supply and demand. The exact opposite of what you do long. Long, you want rising demand, falling supply. Look at the number in this. So there's two in momentum, which is rising demand, falling supply, and 93 in short. Well, there you go. The market is at present, no matter what it does today, and until further notice, a short trade, not a long trade. And I'm not great mm. at that. I use little bit, you know, I aim small, miss small. I don't know a lot about shorting. I use sh principally for that because it's very liquid uh but that's what the data tell us at present 
Love it. Love it. So definitely we're going to be looking for some possibilities in there. Um, what about the, the recent strength that we've seen? Of course, in the beginning of the year, we saw the NASDAQ and tech stocks really bounce back. Now it's starting to come right back down. Is this kind of an opportunity or should it be something that we should be running from? Well, here's a great example right on the screen. If you look at semiconductors, I've got 15 in my semis portfolio. Just, I, you know, entered the tickers. Look at the supply-demand equation. That's what you look at. You know, which way is demand going? Down. Which way is supply going? Up. Until those things change, or at least bottom out, semiconductors are not a great place to be. So that, now let's go look at the tech sector. Here's the tech sector. So our sample, which is most of that GICs, a group as identified by the S&P 500, uh, S&P Global, we license that data. Uh, here's demand, dead flat, even ticking down a little bit on Friday. Where's supply? Rising. It's below 50%. It's not terrible, but that is not what I would buy. Not, not Those are matter. not the, that is not the place to be. So what's the it, number one stock in information technology there? That's a great, great thing to do. So here's what, let's go look. Let's see what stuff in tech it has, has strength. And that is exactly what you want to do. So we come in here and, and I want to sort by demand. Let's go. What's at the top of the, of the list? And maybe then even by dollars per trade. But here are the tens. And I go look for the most liquid thing that's a 10. And it's the same stock that is in the momentum portfolio. It's already found that for us. So Procore Technologies is, is a mid cap. Because we look for things that are liquid because things that are illiquid, like SNC, Syncor, it trades $350 at a time. You can't get in and out of that stock. It's very dangerous, but you can get in and out of PCOR because it trades $5,500 at a time. But that's about as small as I'll, I'll go for those trades. Look, there's not much. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I look at it. $8,300 of Cisco. Cisco is actually a pretty good stock here. Um, and and uh, that's what you look for. Value. Value stock. Yeah. You can right. kind of see what they're starting. And we've pulled back here. Cisco yep. is interesting. I had the earnings pop. And again, we have to realize on in this market that we're in, buying those rips is just not working. Cisco no. held up for two days after the earnings pop. And look, here it is. Five days later, gives it all back. So now you're coming back to that point of 48. I actually don't mind it down here either, um, just for the potential bounce aspect of it. Right. And you're not looking for much, folks. In Cisco, your, your return opportunity is very small. It's like 2%. But realize, you know, what we tend to do as traders is we think, I want the thing that gives me 100% return. Well, there aren't very many of those. There's yeah. a lot more opportunity to make 2%. And if you make 2% a week, you're up 100% in a year. Yeah, that's so, a great. That's yeah. a great point. It's how I try yeah. to do my trading too. Here, Tim, it's yep. like I just base hit it, base hit it, base hit it, and I'm not even going for two percenters. I'm going for less than that. I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of you know index arbitrage and different stuff too. But you know, yep. I do make calls on stocks as well. Yep. And you know, I'm never going in looking. Oh, I want to double my money on this stock. I mean, right. we're not in this, you know, and maybe in 2020, it got to that point Tim, <laughs> where you had these, you know, <laughs> right. penny stocks or right. dollar stocks or $5 stocks. We're going to 10 overnight, you know, AMC going from five to 20 overnight. We're right. just not in that market environment no. here anymore. Definitely so if you're not. looking to double your money in something, you're holding on. And what happens is you get up 10% and then, and then you're like, oh, you're back down. And you're like, well, why, you know, all of a sudden, you know, well, I was supposed to go up more and I gave it all back. What did I do wrong? Well, you know the environment you're in, and the environment is take the money and run. Exactly. Yep. That is Expectations, right? Yep. Expectations in the market need to match the belief, right? And I think a lot of that is Tim giving some good lessons there in that if your expectations to make, you know, 40%, 60% every trade, well, let's just be honest. That isn't Not probably going to happen, that. right? Right. No. Uh, and, if, and you've I got, think, if you've got this kind of demand, so if you go back yeah. to the end of the year, and, and demand dropped below four. So that's a green line. Now we've got a green light saying there's a real strong chance of a, a bottom here. And this mm. is rising. And then supply has peaked and begins to fall. The probability that Good you science. can trade momentum is very high. So that, and you'll have up and down days, but you know that's going to give you a lift. And the, so then you can chase momentum. And we don't have, once that, once demand peaks and begins to fall, right at options expirations, uh, and supply begins to rise momentum is over and then you have to change your shorten your time frames 
shrink your expectation of returns. And it's just, that's what you do. And you can do fine in any condition, but you have to be patient. When the data aren't there and they're not giving you opportunities, then don't try to chase them. You'll end up just hurting yourself. Tim, can we jump into just a couple of the earnings yeah. stocks and look at, you know, what you're seeing for maybe a potential like Zoom tonight? It's one that they're talking okay. about. So we have, you know, three major uh, reports tonight, OXY, yeah. which I have a position on, WDAY and Zoom. Okay. So yeah. let's let's go to Zoom first. It's a stock that okay. a lot of retail traders like to trade. It's widely it's widely known. Let's see what Zoom says. It, it's not great. You know, if I were if I were I would take this is this you is what I would do. The report, I would me. I would leave it today. If it's up, you know, if it's up two three percent today, I would leave Which it. Which it is. Why? Okay, so so see, demand has stopped rising, and it's not even back to five. It's not enough to even hold the bid in the offer. And then supply is rising. Supply is at 65 percent of the trading volume is short. This yeah. is a long. This here's a long bet. There is a long bet, but it was it's not very good. So I would look at this and say all the hedge funds are betting short. Now they could be wrong. That I could make a case for uh, why Zoom could could beat expectations even if its results aren't great. But I this is this is where you have to you make a decision. I look at the math and say I I'm comfortable being wrong if it's up. Like Nvidia, you know, Nvidia I would not have owned. And we'll look at Workday and uh, Occidental here in just sure. a second. But if you look at Nvidia. So, you know, if I looked at NVIDIA before results, would I have bought it? Well, no, because demand was falling. There were some pretty long bets in NVIDIA, but supply was rising, demand was falling. I wouldn't have done it. We, we Edge users did. There were some who had it. But I say, once you, they got to take those gains because the supply-demand equation isn't good. And NVIDIA is going to decline. That's what this math tell us. So you should, you should know that. If it's up today, look, take your gains. You can always come back and buy it. When demand is screaming at the ceiling and supply falls, you're going to make money. But when those conditions break down, look out. Okay, so Workday and then Occidental. Occidental Patrol and the Warren stock. One of the great, one of the great stocks of 2022. The best in the S&P 500. Uh, that's better. So Workday actually, so you look at the supply-demand mm. equation, below 50% yeah. short, demand steady. That this stock has a much higher probability of producing sustainable gains, meaning a number of days of gains, than does Zoom. So if you're going to take one, there's there's the one to take. Uh, then let's look at, look at Occidental. Um, and energy has I'm surprised by it. I didn't expect it. It has rolled over and it's yeah. turned weaker demand, higher supply. Yeah. Uh, but let's look at let, uh, I mean a couple stocks in that group did very well. Again, I would say the supply side is fine in Occidental, but the demand Demand's side is falling. very weak. We so, need Warren. Warren, get in there. <laughs> Warren. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, Warren, so, come save the day. <laughs> I know. Come save me on my Occidental Patrol. <laughs> come save me. <laughs> what about Target? Target's been sleepy for so long. We've got they a bunch of retailers reporting. Yeah, they report this week. tomorrow morning. So. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking for that huge gap if we're ever going to go and fill that on Target because we've seen some of these huge gaps. Like there was a Netflix, right? For a while, everyone was yep. like, oh, I'll never get back there. Oh, it did. Well, so so it's not great, Mitch. Here's you know, ah. the, the demand is falling. And while there's a big drop below the trend, there was a, this was a huge short here. And, yeah. and, and, it, and it paid. You know, stock came down from 180 to where is it now? 167. Yeah. Uh, and so people have covered their short positions. The trouble is it's still well over 50%. It's 56% mm. short and demands at 4.2. I would not own that into results. It doesn't mean, I mean, it, does this set up a recovery? Yes. But I, look, I love stocks that are five and higher with supply below 50% because then you have a long bias. Those are much more likely and more, much more statistically true to deliver gains than this. It doesn't mean it won't. Because earnings can change outcomes, but I wouldn't buy it. I'm nervous I, on Target too, and it reports uh, tomorrow morning, and I would not <laughs> want to be long this into the report either. I'm just nervous because retailers, we see multiple sure. retailers right. warning. I mean, yep. now we get, you know, Tim's look, you know, the, from a quantitative perspective, not yep. looking great here. Ducks kind of in a row. And again, anything can happen to your point, you know, maybe, you know, your yep. system didn't look yeah. like a video was going to pop and it did. So right. we're not, it's not always right. Nothing's 100%. Exactly. Uh, but I'm nervous on the target earnings. Yep. Well, I got the hardest one of the day, right? Okay. And this has been one that I have I tried. I tried. I think a lot of people have tried probably in the chat. 
The natty gas bottom. When does it happen, Tim? When does it happen? Right now, people have told me in the chat that I could buy air better than I could buy natural gas. So So I I don't know how many you track, uh, Mitch. I've got seven with heavy exposure to nat gas in my portfolio, and I'll I'll take you to it. But this is, uh, you know, there's good and bad. The bad is look at the supply side. This is a very 15 of the last 30 <laughs> days. It's below five. It's not great. And it's tipped over again. The supply side is better. 47% short, 48, 48% short as of Friday. Um, I don't love that. And I know EQT was the best performer last week. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at EQT, it's mm-hmm. seven out of 10 and rising 48% short. Uh, 30-day trend is down. That's what that means. This will tell us a 30-day trend in the supply side. Five, It's okay. But look at this weakness. I mean, you got ones, 1.8, 2.6, 3.4, down, 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 4.4, down. That's a 30-day trend. I don't love it. I'm not there yet. I, it's, I, there are much better things to look at, such as cash. <laughs> cash, cash is not is bad king, right baby. now. <laughs> right. Cash is king. Right. I'm long cash. I'm long cash. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'll borrow some cash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like always, you guys can keep up with everything that Tim Quas does. And of course, mm-hmm. check out Market Structure Edge for yourself. You guys can be running through all of this. Get your free trial. You can get up to a month just without even a credit card. And you guys can use the promo code, of course, Benzinga. It's, is it Zinga or is it Benzinga? I'm pretty it's, sure it's... It's Benzinga, all Benzinga. caps. That gives you all a cap, monthly. Baby. It doesn't work for a yearly. It works for a monthly. But monthly, mm, that'll give you check it out. $40 off. It's a, it's a very good deal. It's the best deal we have. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Like always, Tim, we're always gra- uh, glad to have you on. We took a look at all different types of the market. We'll definitely bring you back next week. Have a good look one, Tim. Look forward to it. You guys, too. Have a good week. All right, let's get back to the market. What are you seeing here? I was seeing that LNG. That looks interesting setup there, but let's go back to the market. Let's go to the SPY here. What are we seeing? We're seeing still a little push, almost 400. We just hit it. Just hit it here. You're right here up at resistance. I think... Um, have we run too far this morning I think already? It, I, I think we just go to the Joel Alcon, and he's telling me so much is looking at daily candles. He's a daily yeah. candle trader. I think you go back to Thursday's high, 402.20. Yeah. It's probably, you know, you cut through 400 maybe, 402.20. I think you got resistance. I think you're selling into the rip. I think you're selling into the strength. Again, though, we're in this choppy market. So, you know, as much as everybody was baby bearish last week and it's getting ugly, then you got to start thinking about buying stocks here again. So just keep thinking about so much like this, not like this, not like this in this market. Think about the sideways waves, um, yeah. sideways action, because I think that's what we're going to see for the foreseeable future. I don't think we're going to get hammered unless we have some geopolitical risk. I don't see really any reasons for us to be gapping higher, but I do see reasons we could gap lower. So I'm still cautious, obviously, long term, but trading sideways, trading, selling reps, buying dips, taking opportunities there, um, but not getting married to anything. Last one we got to talk about, of course, is the Tesla Dragon already getting some lift here this morning. Uh, There was some news out there that in uh, the Giga Berlin, uh, they've increased the Model Y output to 4,000, pretty much doubling the output in Giga Berlin in less than six months. And of course, they got their uh, event on the 1st, right? 1st of March is the event. Don't miss that. Tesla event. I'm pretty sure we'll stream it here on Benzinga. So if you guys want to check that out, check that out on Wednesday. What do you think about Tesla now? Does holding it get up, another run? Holding up very well. And bulls are in full control as long as the stock stays above 187. Um, we've had a significant pullback in the queues. Tesla has not pulled back. We've had a significant pullback in the queues. NVIDIA had pulled back a bit, but now obviously right back up here again. These are two stocks you're still watching from a growth perspective. There's been a significant pullback in a lot of these growth names. And you know what? I think actually as trades, you might be looking at buying some of these names, uh, the growth names on the pullbacks. Again, not marrying them, not investing in some of these growth names. Look at the Kathy portfolio there. She's come off significantly, not quite to the 50% retracement, but with NVIDIA and Tesla holding up as well as they are, and me still predicting the sideways action, I think a lot of these significant pullbacks we've had in some of our other names could Mm -hmm. actually be bought for trade. So I'm looking at some of these growth names on the pullbacks to actually buy. We'll look at some of those names. the short term, not investing in any of these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got like Unity, Snow, yeah. Liberty, some of well, those some of those Unity's whole held up a little. Well, no, well, actually, Unity, holy macro. Yeah, look at that pullback. That was Real earnings, 
And yeah. wow, I didn't realize it pulled that that. So yeah, the 28.51, if I was long and trying to buy it long, I would lean on that low probably going back to January the 19th at 28.51. But you've pulled back. That one's a little bit almost too ugly for me there. <laughs> um, I cringe a little bit on that chart. But there's Roblox, you know, what are the other ones you said? You said Unity, Roblox. The Snow. Yeah, right? the Roblox 35. Like, here's an interesting one. So, obviously, we had the gap it. up, and now we filled the gap. I mean, mm -hmm. this is just classic fill the gap and now maybe find some support where we gap from. So, yeah. I kind of like this that one. Doesn't look too bad. Again, it kind of sucks now. It's 37 and a half. We were to talk about this on Thursday or Friday, the little double bottom, 3581, 3586. So, you know, but right here, again, for trades, we've pulled back a bit. Maybe you get a little bit of, you know, life here again, where everybody's talking doom and gloom now on CNBC. I'm starting to lean a little more bullish in the short term because, again, I don't think that we have an imminent catalyst to knock us down Ooh, either. Shopify down to 40s. Bad earnings. The Bad 40 is earnings. a big number, though. I had I had a friend on Twitter tweeting out to me and said, what do you think of shop at 40? And I was like, it's a logical place for it to bounce. And, you know, yeah. here it is, 41.12. I mean, we filled the gap. We had the big fluff. And yep. now we've pulled back here. Nice so I don't mind though. the shop at five. If you think you're in a sideways market, you're finding those old resistance levels as new support. And if I think we're going to an overall sideways market, I don't mind shop at five. I mean, people who are listening to the show would be surprised at me talking like this right now because I'm overall bearish. But mm -hmm. I just think we've sold off quite a bit last week. So I now, agree. Leaning a little bit long on some of my trades. I like the shop of 540. I think you could try to lean on that low at 39.87 and maybe you could get back up. Again, when they have bad earnings or they have disappointing, they come down. It takes something to really kickstart them back. It sometimes even takes an analyst move, a contrarian analyst to come in, which is rare. Um, so, But technically speaking, the 40 is a level you would think that if I was short the stock, I would be covering. And it, you'd think that's a level that it could bounce at. We'll see what happens with these types of names if they're able to get the bounce. Like always, you guys can keep up with all the action that we do on Benzinga right here. We're going to go to live trading. That's going to be coming up next. Any last words, Dennis, before we get out of here? Chop. Chop. I think you got room 402 spy, and then maybe I'm lightening up. It, again, just you know, buying dips, selling rips. I know I'm like a broken record here, but that's how you make money in a sideways market. It's not sitting around and waiting for the 50 or 100% gainers because they don't come. Well, um, a lot of what we talked about last night was what we just kind of talked about with Dennis and Tim Quast about expectations and beliefs, right, in the market. You got to sometimes align those with the current environment. Right now, that's been kind of more of what the take your money and run type of market. It hasn't been the, oh, I'm just going to sure. leave this runner on for the next yeah. six months and see what happens. Because a lot of the times that's positions come back, especially when we're playing the chop, right? And so a lot of what I've seen is when you get those nice motions or like that whoosh in your direction, it, it kind of makes sense right now, at least in my sense and my trading to take that profit and then just run. It's okay to reset up. What's not okay is to keep letting trades, just make profits and give them right back, right? That's where it gets a little frustrating. This is the type of market where if you're holding too long, those winners eventually become losers, really on both sides. If you're in a choppy yeah, market, you literally. can be short and you're like, oh, I'm making five, six, seven percent. Then boom, it comes right back. And you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. We're going in a recession. Why is my stock popping up? Because we're not there yet. It's timing and we're just chopping mm -hmm. around and we have the big battle between the bulls and the bears. So it's definitely feels like it's still the, the Steve Miller band market. Take the money and run. Take the money and run. Have a Big good song. one, Dennis. Go See you, money, money, Mitch. Go run, get him, buddy. Friend. You okay. got it. Yep. All right. Dennis is out of here, team. We're going to get you over to now, of course, live trading. That's coming up next. You don't got to go anywhere for that. Stick around right here. We'll get you guys over to some live trading action. Lord Ryan and I will lead you guys through. And we're going to keep pushing forward, team. On Wednesday, we'll be getting to an interesting interview on live trading. So stick around for that. I'll give you guys a little sneak preview. If you come over to live trading, that's starting up. Now, I do want to tell you guys about the book club. We just wrapped up our first book, Trading in the Zone, right now. And I, you guys that haven't joined, I'll definitely throw up the link while I talk about the book club. But check it out. We just finished Trading in the Zone, our first book of the year. We're going to continue growing. Now we have some multiple options. We're also taking a look at Burn the Boats. I'll recommend this book for you guys out there. This is from, of course, Matt Higgins, uh, Shark, CNBC Shark. Toss Plan B overboard and unleash your full potential. Burn the Bo Boats just came out on February 14th. 
And we're also taking a look at potentially maybe the Pure Equity Plus plan. Uh, this is, of course, by Peter Tannis. Check it out if you want a multi-million dollar retirement. Join our book club. We're going to be looking at all these, selecting the book this Wednesday for our next book. So you guys still have a chance to join. Hit that link below. Now to get you guys over to, of course, live trading action. Got to take a look at some of my swing trades. We'll see how that's going. And of course, don't miss. Start swing trading today, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. Do this every single day where I take a look at my swing trades. And of course, bring on a guest to talk about some trade ideas that they're looking at. Of course, you guys don't want to miss this. This is where we take a look at the swing trading action. There's so many day trading shows out there, not many swing trading shows, and not many done live. So check us out, team, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. I'll see you guys over there. Now to get to some live trading action. Let's see if we can find some trades. Even Tim Quas just mentioned one that's on my radar now, LNG. Let's take a look. Let's get over to live trading.